You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Dr. John Grigri. In the room, I have Rob, uh-huh. John, and, and Ben. Yeah, you right. Grigri is the debut album by Mac Rebenak, a.k.a. Dr. John. It was released on Atco Records in January 22nd of 1968, and the producer was Harold Baptiste. The genre is New Orleans R&B and psychedelic rock. And from All Music Review, Thom Jernick. Dr. John's Grigri is among the most enduring recordings of the psychedelic era. It sounds as mysterious and spooky in the 21st century as it did in 1968. It is the album where Mac Rebenak establishes a stage identity that has served him well. A respected studio ace in his native New Orleans, Rebenak was scuffling in L.A., Grigri was his concept, an album that wove various threads of New Orleans music together behind the character of Dr. John, a real voodoo root doctor from the 19th century. Harold Batiste, another expat New Orleans native and respected arranger in Hollywood, scored him some free studio time left over from a Sonny and Cher session. (laughs) They assembled a crack band of Nolan exiles and session players. Grigri sounds like a post-midnight ceremony recorded in the Bayou Swamp instead of L.A.'s Gold Star Studios where Phil Spector cut hits. The atmosphere is thick, smoky, serpentine, foreboding. Rebenek inhabits his character fully, delivering Creole, French, and slang English effortlessly in the grain of his half-spoken, half-sung voice. He is high priest and trickster, capable of blessing, cursing, and conning. On the opening incarnation, Grigri Gumbo Yaya, Dr. John introduces himself as the Night Tripper and boasts of his medicinal abilities accompanied by wafting reverbed mandolins, hand drums, and bubbling bass line, including blues harmonica, skeletal electric guitar, and swaying back choruses that blurs the line between gospel and soul. Its real achievement is that it brought New Orleans culture, iconographies, and musical traits to an emerging rock audience. All right, what do we think of Dr. John's Grigri? Who do voodoo? <laughs> Dude. That voodoo that you do? Let me tell you about Dr. John. <laughs> tell me about Dr. John. <laughs> I fucking love Dr. John. <laughs> All right. Now, I, I, I love Dr. John. But this, I had never heard his debut record in, until, until this project. I love it. I love everything about it. And... I love Dr. John's story. I love uh, so so Mac Rebenak, he, he grew up in a musical household. Uh, his his 
dad was a musician, but he also ran an appliance store that sold records. And so, so Mac Rebenack like, grew up like around the stuff, and he was always playing music. He was faced with he he was as a teenager he was playing in clubs as a guitar player and uh his schoolmasters found out and they they told him that uh either needed to stop playing in clubs or you needed to leave school you couldn't do both and he chose to leave school and continue playing the clubs which was the seed that his hit song right place wrong time was based on like that whole song was based on He's all like he's always been this dude that just wanted to play, even when he should have been doing other things. Fast forward as an early teen, he's a teenager in New Orleans. He's selling drugs. He's running a brothel, and he's a studio player. He uh, he gets shot in the finger while defending his uh, his buddy Ronnie Barron, who was one of the, who's also uh, like one of his one of his bandmates. He gets shot in the finger. It's his left hand, so he can't fret a guitar as well as he used to. So he just starts playing piano because the left hand's the bass on the piano. You don't necessarily need all of all five fingers. You can just be making do with the four. He gets busted for drug charges. He serves two years in prison in New Orleans. He gets out of prison, decides he's done in New Orleans. So he moves to L.A. and then ends up in the fucking wrecking crew as a studio dude like this dude like by by like 24 he has a life story of better than like half of anyone else he's done he's lived so many different lives by the time he's like in his early 20s and he's on the wrecking crew so he, he he's got this idea he wants to form a band and he wants to he wants to bring this new orleans voodoo culture into more of like a mainstream r&b feel but he doesn't see himself fronting it. He sees himself as kind of like the music writer, consultant stuff. And he wants his buddy, uh, Ronnie Barron, who he got shot in the finger defending, he wants him to be the part of Dr. John. And Ronnie Barron's manager tells him, quote, stay away from that voodoo shit, and bails at the last second. They get this, they get this studio time serendipitously at, at Phil Spector's Gold Star because Sonny and Cher have a little bit of leftover, He's already in because he's part of the Wrecking Crew. He's playing as a musician on the Sonny and Cher record. So once the studio has a little bit of time opens up, he's one of the first people to know. But he doesn't have his front man anymore. So, like, reluctantly, he's like, I guess I'll be Dr. John. <laughs> and the rest is fucking history. For the last fucking 50 years, he is Dr. John. It couldn't have happened any other way. This guy's so fucking cool. There's nothing bad I can say about Dr. John. Yeah, this is a pretty awesome album. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is the beginning of a lot of different, uh, I'd say, spinoffs, you know, of people taking on a persona like this or influenced by this this kind of music. It's, yeah, I can't say enough about this sort of, like, happenstance. Yeah. Like, kind of lucky, but also very talented at the same time. Maybe it was voodoo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this our first album by an artist who is portraying a character? I mean, Sgt. Pepper, you could argue you that... You could argue it. ...that they were, um... They but, were personifying that character. Those characters are... Yeah, I guess, but... I wouldn't argue that. I okay. Would, uh, I mean, I'm saying, you know, something like a Ziggy Stardust or a, 
you know, a, a totally sort of a concept yeah. that you are this person. It seems like we would have had someone, but at the time, you know, this is the fourth episode. Well, and I love, and I love the Dr. John character. I mean, Fuck yeah. I have no idea what Mac Rebenack is like, but he, he can't be that far off from Dr. John. I mean, he's not a, a, a voodoo uh, priest uh, and prince from uh, Nigeria, but you know, he's well, the thing is like anymore, Mac Rebenack is Dr. John because the Dr. John character, he did like, he did like three albums with this, with like the, where the live shows like heavily weighted in voodoo. I wish I could have seen one of those shows. He's got like the big headdresses. He's got like the dancers. Like the Baron Samedi kind of thing. And the, it, yeah. But then he kind of, he, he keeps the persona of Dr. John, but he moves away from that kind of like, like voodoo witch doctor thing uh. more into like blending traditional New Orleans, music with modern R&B and funk. Mm-hmm. So like from from like the mid 70s to current times he kind of he kind of just is Dr. John. Right. So but Be, but he, he moves away from that original Dr. John which was based off of a, a voodoo priest, right? Mhm. He just like he, he he he's always he's always rooted in his his thing has always been rooted in New Orleans culture and New Orleans music. And kind of elevating it, modernizing it with R&B and modern funk. But his first, like, two or three records were very much, like, the voodoo end of that. And then he kind of moved away from that to more of, like, the like traditional New Orleans, like, street parade part mm-hmm. of that. Well, and this album is a is some beautiful examples of some of that, that voodoo drumming, some of that... New Orleans rhythms and and accenting and use of 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 Cajun French. I mean, it's it's thick and it's great. It's fucking <laughs> it's awesome, amazing. Yeah. She was the queen of the little red, white, and blue. She was the queen of the little red, white, and blue. Said, Ooh, why get you spy ball? I'm I'm much more into this than the later stuff that he does that's more funk oriented. I I just that's just not something that appeals to me. I like the simple, you know, this kind of a New Orleans sound mm-hmm. where it's incorporating more soul and, and things like that. Fun- when it gets a little funky, I'm just not as uh, interested. When he gets funky, his backing band is the Meters. Yeah. Yeah. They're airtight. It's true. No, it's not. It's definitely good. It's just not my uh, right. uh, cup of tea. This is this is more my uh, my speed having that sort of like bayou swamp feel, that sort of uh, tribal uh, drumming and things like that, where it's a little little off. Like the second song, just feels uh, mysterious, you know. Dance Kalinda Baboom. Yep, <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, the the getting in that that feeling, like you said, like kind of in the swamp, like. I really felt that on uh, Croker uh, Court Bouillon or Croker Cobillon or whatever, 
it sounds like you're in a swamp. Like they sound, whatever uh, musically they're doing, I don't know if it's just playing a tambourine or what, it sounds like the, the chirping of, of insects in a swamp. Mm, and it's, it mm-hmm. very much puts you there. It's, it's good. Robbie? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't care. Okay. Uh, yeah. not, not, not like some of the um, some of the rhythms and uh, kind of weirder uh, instrumentation like grabs my interest, but it my normal go to is like straightforward rock and roll or something a little faster or something a little mm-hmm. weirder, and this rides that line of you're a little weird, but you're you're a little little back. And the the elements that you're choosing to put in, like with the um, extra like um, orchestration stuff, is cool. But it's it's nothing that like I I wouldn't be like driving down the street in my car blasting this record ever. It would <laughs> th- th- this is not me in rush hour traffic, <laughs> you know. Uh, which obviously you know it, it it serves its spot. And like the the story you just told about him, I didn't know about, which makes it infinitely more interesting uh to me but you know same time uh I, nothing i would uh nothing i would personally revisit um but not not because it doesn't have like it, it wouldn't hold my interest on multiple uh viewings i guess so how do you feel about the sort of things that this inspire i mean i mean very much inspired someone like tom waits I mean, this is the groundwork for stuff that Tom Waits was doing within Bone Machine. And, and thank you, Dr. Those. John, for that. Yeah, exactly. You know? But you, you don't kind of see that as a res- Man, resonating... Uh, uh, the, the, we've we, we've kind of dug on it a little bit, but like foundation like if we're going like the scientific i'm not saying that you have to like it but i'm I'm curious what what makes it different from that sort of um because production and uh drugs (laughs) (laughs) honestly those two things uh the bone machine is not produced like this it's it sounds way different oh yeah um but yeah like the 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 whole thing like i i understand like that we there's a foundation and then there's a built upon that foundation and this and this and this and this. And like we, we've just discussed before, like, you know, I started writing fucking four deep into this shit. Like, and so going back and looking at like the, uh, like dissecting why rock and roll is why it is, which is what we're doing is mm-hmm. like, as we move forward, we're, we're seeing where it's going. Um, some of it fucking grabs my ears. Right. So, like, a lot. Like, some of it just, like, you know, pulls on those ears and, like, well, listen to this. Holy shit, I can't believe this happened in fucking 1968. I can believe this happened in 1968. Um, and I believe yeah. this happened in 1868. <laughs> there's just, there, there, there's a lot of really cool shit that's happening in it, but it's nothing that I would personally would go back and revisit. If I wonder, if I was fucking falling my fall, fall, falling around drunk in New Orleans and I stumbled on this, I'm pretty sure I'd be an immediate convert. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like uh, headphone listening, not so much. I'm fairly certain I would my uh, my opinion would be very different live. I had a, a bit of problem too with how his vocal sound like as opposed how to much the, like the music breaks, breaks up in the red. Well, it's just 
right in front. It's, it's right here. Yeah. It's right in the front. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to just feeling integrated into the into the music. Well, I guess when you have two days to do this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I that, that's that's another. Still, fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. I thought this. I thought this was like a New Orleans jam. I, I was about to be like, "Well, when, well, the last time we talked about New Orleans artists, wasn't it fucking uh, Louis Primo? <laughs> wasn't Primo wasn't New Orleans? Uh, it was, yeah, uh, Primo was Blue, New Orleans. Blue, Blueberry yeah. Hill. Uh, uh, Fats. Yeah, Fats. Yeah, I think Fats, Fats was, was the last time yeah. we li- visited New Orleans. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, to go from Fats yeah. to this. Yeah. Yeah. Or this 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 book decides that these are the two. <laughs> so, you, like, uh, you, you, Rob, you brought up the point of of Mac Rebenak playing a character, and uh, I did. So, there was an actual Doctor John. Uh, Doctor John was a Senegalese prince who came from New Orleans, who came to New Orleans from Haiti, a medicinal and spiritual healer. The Doctor was a free man of color who lived on Bayou Road and claimed to have 15 wives and over 50 children. He maintained a fascination with reptiles and kept an assortment of snakes and lizards, along with embalmed scorpions and animal and human skulls. His specialization was healing, and in such, selling gree-gree voodoo amulets that protected the wearer from harm. This is a quote from Mac Rebenek. I'm tempted to do it in the Mac Rebenek voice, but I'm not going to. (laughs) Thank you. Well, there was a guy by the name of Dr. John, a hoodoo guy in New Orleans. He was a competition of Marie Laveau. He was like her opposite. I actually got a clipping about how my great-great-great-grandpa Wayne was busted with this guy for running a voodoo operation in a whorehouse in 1860. I decided I would produce a record with this as a concept. Fantastic. And considering that he originally intended that he wouldn't even play Dr. John, I think gets him a buy on... Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, on on that same note, um, Doctor John is what John's parents <laughs> would have been proud of him for doing. In Germany, I am a doctor. <laughs> you can call me Doctor John if you want to, but you have to use it with a K. <laughs> did you see? Did you see the other musicians like their titles? Oh, oh they all like, have like Governor, Senator, or Doctor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> including the producer because. Uh, because the producer Harold Batiste, he 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 plays on the record. They call him Doctor Batiste. Something you hear Dr. Teeth or whatever his name, the Muppets band. The Muppets guy, yeah, yeah, Dr. Teeth. Yeah. And here's something weird. So Dr. Teeth is Dr. John. Can we all Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Yeah. That is Dr. John. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the hat with the feathers. <laughs> uh so how do we feel ultimately? I'm I'm in the positive. I like this kind of uh 
swampy music, this sort of like bluesy, swampy tribal rhythm music. And I think he's got an interesting persona, the voice kind of that that laid back, almost like night, midnight radio. That's co- a producer. Oh, like, that's nice. like that night tripper? <laughs> yeah, well, he has almost like, I feel like he's introducing the music a lot of the time. The way he sings is almost like a a night DJ who's kind of telling you about this music. Like Wolfman Jack? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the, some of those others. But it's just got a real cool feel. And it's it's a lot different than a lot of things that were happening at the time. And yeah. It's, I think the f- first time, well, no, Screaming Jay Hawkins maybe. But, right. but like, But one of the first times that this kind of subculture of New Orleans has been represented in in like popular music. I would Have say people gone voodoo before Screaming Jay? I mean you could argue Bo Diddley and some other Yeah, um, I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's that it's voodoo brought north to Memphis to to be hoodoo. It, or Yeah. I mean it's, I but think it's the same in traditions. This, in this scene, it's definitely a new uh Adaption, you mm-hmm. know, like being in California and and bringing this out is something new. But I think blues uh, people have been talking about this forever. Muddy Waters. I think the voodoo themes man, talking about stuff. it, yeah, but incorporating musically. Yeah, I think the voodoo drumming is new. The 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 stuff you'd hear on like uh, guitar rhythms and, and there's things. There's like Ico Ico. Like in all the different recordings, yeah, of it. I mean, that's a voodoo song. I'm thinking of Lead Belly and some of those others that do have a bit of this. If you go, if you go back to Delta, Delta the, Blues, the, in in a bit of the dark ori- magic original, yeah, yeah, there will be um, not not just that, but you know, s- people playing spoons, people mm. doing yeah. hand claps, um, a lot of that stuff has has already happened within the music spectrum. But you're right. I mean, he he sort of took on a persona and pushed that into a cohesive narrative that maybe those other songwriters were just doing songs that had those elements, mm-hmm. but it wasn't this concept. And so, yeah, you, you I did, would say that was you successfully the described the um, Soundgarden song Spoon Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm sticking neutral on it. I uh, th- there's a lot of things I like, but nothing I would uh, recommend. Like I, I, honestly, like fuck, I'm, I'm pushing forty, man. I'm not gonna <laughs> recommend anything to anybody. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not. I'm not sure if neutral works for me anymore. Like chaotic. <laughs> but, but but seriously, like if if my if my go to is like excited about something, meh about something. <laughs> Or excited enough to recommend it, eh, or never. Like this, this middle group of neutral is not a real thing. Like I, I don't, I don't know anybody <laughs> anymore. Like there, there's, no, I'm not gonna have a new friend to be like, no, you really need to listen to fucking Doctor John, man. Like that's never gonna fucking happen. Um, but I, at the same time, yeah, like it, it there's, there's enough cool stuff happening in it. That I can't discount it as being bad, but I can't, in good conscience, tell people to listen to it because they're gonna probably look at me like I'm an asshole. So, 
if you want to be Rob's friend, send us a message. Because <laughs> he could really use one. Um, so, no, I'm going to go positive on this. I would listen to it again. I would suggest it to people. Um, I would put it on if I wanted to feel a little spoopy. Uh, yeah, positive for me. I will absolutely listen to it again. I will actively be looking for it in dusty bins of, of record stores. We'll actively find a friend to recommend it to. <laughs> Step one, get the record. Step two, find a friend. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Dr. John's career. It's been a prolific career, so I'm not, I'm not up to date with, with everything that he's released. But uh, for a debut album, this is a great introduction to, to the catalog of, of Dr. John. Highly recommend. Ben, you've you've rubbed elbows with Dr. John, yes? I shared a very brief elevator ride with him once. Yeah, it was after it was after a concert at the Louisville Palace. It was it, it was a concert for it wasn't just him. It was a celebration of uh, the anniversary of the Scorsese film The Last Waltz with the band, which Dr. John performed on. And they did a couple years ago. Uh, they did a tour. Uh, with any, it's funny. So many of those people are are no longer with us. So they were pulling. They were pulling just anyone that was like six degrees of related to to the original 1976 Last Waltz. But uh, Dr. John was one of the very few people that actually was physically part of Last Waltz that was part of this tour. And I I, I brought a couple records from the sign. Uh, just in case I, I saw him, I saw him in an elevator. It was a very short ride, and uh, and I said, I, I said, hey, Doctor John, that was that was a great set. I really liked it. You were awesome. And he looked at me like I like I like I said something weird, and he's like, I know. That's the only way I know how to do it. <laughs> and then uh, I gave him my records to sign. I gave him two records. Uh, on, on the top of the stack was Dr. John's Gumbo, which I think was like 1973, and it's just like widely regarded, like one of his classic records. Uh, it's the one where he kind of veers away from the voodoo stuff, and there's only one original song on the record. The rest of the record is just his modern funk interpretations of traditional New Orleans folk songs, and it shreds. It's a great record. And under that one... I had his 2012 release, uh, Locked Down, which he recorded with Dan Auerbach of the, of the Black Keys. And I think that's a fucking modern classic. Uh, it's, it's not like one of those things like, oh, yeah, it's good for a 70-year-old. It's just good. So I hand him the stack of records. He signs the first one, like the classic that everyone likes. He's like, he's like, new Ben, keep on rocking, Dr. John the Night Tripper. And then he drew like a little moon. Because <laughs> he's the Night Tripper. Love it. <laughs> and then and he flips it down. And he, he looks at the next one, and he says, "Yeah, you right." <laughs> He's like, "Oh, I, I see you have followed my recent work." <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right, next time we'll be talking about Iron Butterfly in Agata de Vida. All right, thanks, y'all. Serenity now. Grind on the road.